0: John Ortberg pastored on his staff at Willow Creek in Illinois. And one of the things he was privileged to do was one day he went to a particular place for a banquet. And while he sat down, there were a number of people around that he did know, but there was an empty seat and there was a guy who blew in and sat down and he had not met him. Now, they were not at the church, so it wasn't a church particular event. But while they were sitting there, they all engage in conversation. The conversation wove its way around to church. And John said, I go to a church at a place where people don't like to go to church. In other words, we're a bunch of people that don't like traditional church. We don't like to just feel all stuffy and and all that goes with that. But we come as we are, broken and just in life with our questions and everything going on with us. And we're able just to come on into church and be who we are. And I like going to that. He said to this guy that had just sat down. His name was Steve. He said, why don't you come to church sometime? And he said, well, he said, I, I went to a particular church uh, religious organization when I was young. At age 12, I was confirmed into whatever it was. And he said, I really have only been to church, a different church, two or three times. I've been in and out of relationships, and I really don't know. I'm not sure about that. But he got the time and the, and the place and all that stuff of when the church would start. Sunday came. John kind of forgot about the banquet and sitting at that table and the friend that he just had met named Steve. But sure enough, seated on the front row, Steve. When the service ended, John went over to greet Steve. And Steve said, Where'd you all get all that information you're talking about? (laughs) He said, Well, we got it from the New Testament in the Bible. And the guy said, Well, I've never read the New Testament. Can I get a copy? He said, sure. So they got him a copy of the New Testament. Steve began to get up early each day and built into his schedule enough time that he would be able to read 20 to 30 pages of the Bible of the New Testament every day. Now his parents had told him, his family had told him, if you accept Christ, we disown you, it will be as if you are dead. But the more Steve read, the more he was convinced that Jesus is really God's son, that he came to earth, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and anyone who believes in him will have forgiveness and eternal life. So he embraced that for himself, have you? He embraced it for himself, and when he did, he realized a transformation in his life. It's like his mind had changed. It's like his whole life was brand new. As a matter of fact, in the Bible they call it born again. That's what he experienced in his life. He was like, "Wow, changed." Steve was changed. Some time passed. He and John, they didn't cross paths that often now. But time had lapsed by and one day they saw each other and John saw Steve coming and recognized, "Finally, oh, that's Steve." And then he saw he had someone with him, some other guy, and so they got closer and when they got closer Steve wrapped his arms around John and said to his friend, he said, this is a guy who helped lead me to Jesus. Now John said, you know, when I went back in my mind to that first meeting at that table and while sitting there at that table, I almost said no for Steve because I didn't think he would be a person who would ever want to receive Jesus. Do you know someone like that? Do you know someone like that? Hello? Yeah. Do you know someone like that? I'm talking to you. I thought I was... Am I, ta- am I talking to you? You picking up what I'm putting down? All right. I love you, at least most of you. And the rest of you don't know I don't, so you'll think I do. No, I love you. You know that. Been with you 20 years. I couldn't say if I didn't. And thank you for putting up with me, too. But... When we look into our story that Pastor Dwight just read a little bit ago in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, join me there. We're going to take a walk with Jesus today. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at three questions that come out of this story that Pastor Dwight read just a little bit ago in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And when we answer those questions, we realize Jesus is the answer to all the question, and he is the great answer to our question of life as well. Look at verses 1 through 3. We ask the first question, that is this. What appealed to the unbeliever? What appealed to the unbeliever? Zacchaeus had position. He was the chief among tax collectors. We talked about Matthew last week. Matthew would have been a rung below that. He worked on the street level, and people would see him face-to-face. Zacchaeus is a level above. He'd be a supervisor, and he'd be a supervisor over quite a few tax collectors in the region. And the Jews would have despised him, because he would represent those taxes that they were paying to the Roman government, and the Roman government was over them, suppressing them, and they hated that. Zacchaeus had wealth. Look at verse one. Your Bible says he was a wealthy man. Now this is a story, if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you probably heard. If you were as old as I am, you probably saw it on flannel graph. We advanced to those little, those little uh, film strips, and they go, doop, and you turn them ahead. Doop, they turn them ahead. Oh, boy. So you remember this story from there. And you begin to think that Zacchaeus was a messed up guy, and he was really rich because he really burned everybody and took all the money from them that he shouldn't have taken from them. But that is not necessarily the case. He was a wealthy man because of the particular area he was at, had a strong economy. I have been to Jericho a couple of times. And the history of Jericho is pretty interesting. If you go way back in the Old Testament, you see they march around the walls of Jericho. You remember that? Walls fell down. Well, now we've moved ahead in time, and we're just 2,000 years back now, and we're looking at this, and we realize they have a lot of commerce. One of the big areas of commerce would be wood. And a lot of people went through this particular region. So there are a lot of people coming through this area, a lot of people, and with all of the tax base that they had, and with all of the traffic they had coming through, Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. Not all by crooked earnings, but he lacked something. Do you lack something? He wanted to see Jesus. We don't know what he knows about Jesus, we don't know what he's seen about Jesus, we don't know what he's heard about Jesus, but when he went online, he liked it, and whenever he talked to his friend and sent him text messages, he was into it. He wanted to be able to find out a little bit about Jesus. Maybe he's hearing about Matthew. Maybe he's hearing about somebody that got healed that he heard about. Maybe he's wondering, who's this guy bringing all these big crowds around? He's wanting to know what's going on with this guy, Jesus. Maybe he knew that Jesus would associate and accept people that weren't just like him. But Zacchaeus was at a disadvantage. Have you ever been at a disadvantage? He was at this disadvantage. And his disadvantage was he was short. Now nobody had to tell him he was short. He knew he was short. He was short and when he would stand in a crowd, he couldn't see over the crowd. There was somebody in front of him. But he wants to get to Jesus. He wants to get to Jesus. And he has his height as an obstacle keeping him from getting to Jesus. So he says, I'm going to have to do something about this. I've got to do something about this. And the thing that he would do would be able to move toward eliminating that which would block his way of seeing Jesus. Have you been able to move past the things that would block you from seeing Jesus? Maybe some kind of a habit. Maybe some kind of a hurt. Maybe some kind of a hang-up in your life. I don't know what it is, but you do. And God is speaking to you about it. And sometimes we use those things and we they keep us from seeing Jesus. We can't see Jesus because we see that problem so big. And we're gonna have to make an effort to get past that and to call out to Jesus that He might help us and bring us to Himself. Good preaching, Kev. Keep going, baby. Others have had to overcome obstacles. People sitting around you have overcome obstacles. Some of them have overcome big obstacles to be able to get to Jesus. Lee Strobel was an atheist. He was also a criminal investigator reporter and had gone to the University of Missouri. And he hated it that his wife had come into faith in Christ. (laughs) He said, I'm going to disprove all this stuff. And in his investigative Studies, he traveled over the world to try to disprove this. And finally came to the understanding, good grief. Jesus is real. The Bible is real. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What about C.S. Lewis? You've watched his movies. You've read his books. But C.S. Lewis was an atheist. Didn't believe in Christ, but finally came to the realization one day. I read his story. He came to the realization that Jesus Christ was real. And he said he ended up stopping and realized he is real. And he began to believe. Or what about Christine Kane? She was adopted into the poorest community in her region. She ended up coming to faith in Christ, but at age 35, her family told her she was adopted. It rocked her world. It destroyed everything she thought was true. And she had to overcome that to be able to focus on Christ and to allow his ministry to happen in her life what do you have to overcome to find Jesus? And then I noticed that he did something about it. Look at verse four. He headed up into a sycamore tree. Now, sycamore trees are like the one on the picture here. That's a real one. They have a wide trunk and not very far up, you can get a hold of some branches and you can sit on those branches are pretty strong. So you can go up and you can sit on them, right? And so he's, he's a short dude, but he has learned how to climb trees and he goes over to this one, and he, I don't know if he had to get a running start, but he gets up into that tree somehow. Maybe had somebody else help lift him. I don't know how, how short he was, but he got up into that tree, and he was able to sit there in this tree, and now you and I are walking with Jesus, and we're going along with Jesus in Jericho. I've been there, and we saw some... Uh, we saw some of these sycamore trees, and we asked, was, "Would this be one that Zacchaeus was in?" And they said, "No, this tree's only about five or six hundred years old. His would have been a couple thousand. They're already dead." So I don't know, but it's it's a tree like this, and I've seen them, and they're there. And he gets up in this tree. Frederick Beatner grew up in New York City. His father's side and his mother's side, neither. Were followers of Jesus Christ or Christian. There's a Presbyterian church next door. Sundays were boring for him. He decided he would go to church. He said his words, I had nothing else to do. Hmm. So he went over to church and he was sitting there one day and George Butrick was preaching a message and he said this, Christ is crowned in the hearts of those who love him and believe in him. A misconfession and tears and great laughter. This absolutely riveted Beekner, And he says, I want to talk to him. So he got together with the pastor and said, what do you mean by this? He said, I'm so taken by this laughter. Wow, this could even be involved in Christianity. Oh, man. He said, I want to be more than just a member of the church. I want to have a relationship with Christ. I would ask you what appealed to the unbeliever? It was Jesus. Second question, who associates with the unbeliever? Look at verse 5 of your passage. Jesus, as we're walking along with him, he goes right to the tree where Zacchaeus is. He goes right there to the tree where Zacchaeus is. You and I go all kinds of places, all kinds of places in our day and in our week. And when we get there, there are people with life questions, and they're wondering, does God care? Is God real? Where am I going? Why am I on this planet? What's my life matter? Does it matter? And we have those questions, and they're real in our life. And we're all trying to figure them out. But Jesus comes under this tree. He looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. Jesus called him by name. You work so hard to get your name developed. Your name is what you are known by. Your name is the words that will be used to remember you by. You have a name that was given to you, but you've developed that name. Everybody knows you by name. And it's important to you. Your name's important to you, and yours to you, and yours to you. It's important to you. What's in a name? And Jesus says, I'd like to go over to your house. He's willing to spend some time with him. And so I ask the question, who associates with the unbeliever? And the answer comes back, it's Jesus. Jesus. Who associates with the unbeliever, Clyde Heisler, a long incredible member of our congregation now in heaven. He was an encourager to me, but he also was an encourager to many other people. He prayed a lot, but he had a battery shop over near his house, at his house. And Clyde would share his love for Christ and his faith in Christ with people all the time. So I would say to Clyde, very often I'd say, hey, Clyde, who'd you get to witness to this week? Who did you share Jesus with this week? And he would begin to tell me a story. i say, well, and he'd start telling me that story. I can see it right now. We went down the highway diner one day, and I said, I said, Clyde, how many people did you lead to Jesus in your lifetime? I knew he was starting to come toward the end of his life. And he said, I don't like to talk about it because I don't want to take God's blessing off my life. But I will tell you, I've led a thousand people to Jesus. I met a number of those people, and some of you sitting here might be. The funeral for Mike Myers this afternoon, Mike was very influenced by Clyde Heisler in his faith in Jesus Christ. Who associates with the unbeliever is Jesus. And then the last question you're listening so kindly or sleeping so quietly. <laughs> verses 6 through 10. What happened to this unbeliever? Well, salvation began at the sycamore tree. Did you notice that in your Bible? Salvation begins. Zacchaeus comes down and he comes down joyfully. He's not ticked. He's not, no man, he's excited. He, he, he's really excited. The guy at the center of the show wants, wants to go to my house. Oh yeah, this is good news. Now, the people in the crowd that are walking with us, they don't like it that Jesus is going over to his house. They're kind of thinking, well, Jesus, you you shouldn't be going over to a sinner's house. I mean, come on, you know better than that. We're pious. We really want to be around you. We're the righteous people. And you remember what Jesus said when he was with Matthew in in Luke chapter 5, verse 29? You remember what he said? He said, the well don't need a physician, but the sick do need a physician. You remember that? Jesus says this. And what he's saying here is, I like the choice. I like the place I'm going. I'm going to go on over there. Crowd viewed that dimly. Jesus said, well, you all have to remember, he's one of us too. And they're like, well, they didn't like it. Now, I like the writing of N.T. Wright on this. When he said it this way, I thought it choice. He said, the Jews of Jericho would be mortified to know <laughs> 2,000 years later that the only name really remembered from Jericho is Zacchaeus. It's not the person that invented something or the person that had this name on the school or what. It's Zacchaeus. He's the one that is known. And isn't it, wouldn't it be something if that person that you know, that person that you work with, that person that came to your mind a while ago and I asked you if you knew somebody that you'd really be surprised they came to Jesus. If that person came to Jesus, and wouldn't it be something if in about 1,000, 2,000 years from now, they didn't remember any of the rest of us, but they remembered them. That's what it would be like. In verse 10, you see the apex of the gospel of Luke. This is the apex of it. And it's found in chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save, or came to find and restore the lost. It was Christ's mission before the cross. On the cross, he speaks to the thief and says, yes, I'll remember you today in paradise. And it remains his mission in his ministry right now since the cross. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus confessed to the Lord. He says, you know what? Uh, if I've wronged anybody, I'll give them back four times what I gave them. Now I had a friend who was very good at math, very wealthy man actually, very good at math. He figured this up and he said, he said um, the Zacchaeus would have gained about 1 16th or 1 32nd of his wealth through inappropriate gains in tax. He was willing to allow his standard of living to be reduced because he found Jesus something greater than money and whatever it could provide. And his heart is moved into charity. Look at verse eight, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. And notice what Jesus declares in verse 9 of your passage. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. It's going full circle. And Zacchaeus wasn't called to quit his job. He wasn't called to leave Jericho. He was called to live out his faith among the people of Jericho. And he lived out his story there. And you and I don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be something like that. You can just be yourself. And when you are yourself, guess what? You're good enough. He uses you as you are, where you are, to do the great difference in the community around you that he wants to do. Isn't that awesome? I love Excuse me. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Now, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is a passage I refer to a lot. And if you look at it in the message by Eugene Peterson, the way he wrote this, uh, highlighting the scripture, he writes it this way. Now, reading together sometimes is a little bit hard, uh, but I think we can do it. Uh, if we'll pause at the commas, stop at the breaks, and uh, I would like for all of us to read this together. Can we do that? Yeah. Ready? Let's read. On the other hand if we admit our sins simply come clean about them he won't let us down he'll be true to himself he'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing what would keep you from coming to jesus right now he's here in his spirit and his invitation is given to us all through his scriptures Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says here, if you'll confess your sin, I'll be faithful to forgive them, and I'll cleanse you from unrighteousness. Have you received Jesus? Do you know him? Do the people in your life around you know that you know him? What would keep you from accepting Jesus right now? Why don't we bow our heads just for a moment? As we conclude the message part of the service and prepare for baptism. And as we bow our head, perhaps you want to make peace with God. You haven't done that. You'd like to renew your commitment with Him. You could quietly where you're sitting, you don't have to say anything out loud, just quietly where you're sitting. You could pray a prayer like this with your head bowed. Maybe you close your eyes if you have contacts. I know that can be a challenge, but just bow your head in reverence to Him. You could say something like this, Dear God, I am a sinner. I know I have come short of your standard of excellence. I've missed the mark. My sin separates me from you. Today I realize Jesus died on the cross for me. Today I realize that he rose from the dead. And Today I invite you into my life to be my Savior. Thank you for inviting me to come to you with brokenness, with sin, with questions, with arrogance, with self-reliance. Lord, all the things I think are important I give to you. All that I am I give to you. Forgive my sin and come into my life. Forgive me just now. I receive you now as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.